You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. start serving foreign gods, the anger of the Lord is aroused. The Lord takes a dim view of us worshiping other gods, and it's never a good thing. And when this happens, especially in Israel during this time, you can almost count on chastening following. He'll let them go for a while, but then he will eventually begin to chasten them. Why? He wants them to come back to following him. What false gods do you worship? Your career, family, friends, whatever or whoever it is, God wants to be before them. Today in his message, Pastor Dave reminds us through the mistakes the kings of the Old Testament made that God wants to be first in our lives. He loves us so much, so love him back. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 13 as he begins his message, A Tale of Two Faiths. We're going to continue our study in the Second Kings, and we are going to be in Second Kings 13. So please open your Bibles to Second Kings 13. Second Kings 13. All right, let's open with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. Lord, we ask now that you would settle our hearts and help us, Lord, to just glean from your word those things which are important to you. Lord, those things that you would want us to know and want us to see, Lord, in your love. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're about to do in this study. Lord, bless us, Lord. Help me to just step aside. Let your spirit speak boldly, Lord, to the saints that have gathered here tonight, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so one of the things that struck me as I was going through the study was that there's a principle out there that basically says that What you believe will ultimately determine how you behave. What you believe will ultimately determine how you behave. The kings of Israel and now the kings of Judah that we have been studying were both caught up in the worship of false gods. And they were leading their respective kingdoms down the wrong path. They were leading them away from the one true living God. They were leading them away from the Lord God, Jehovah. And as we come now into chapter 13, we see two different kings in our study tonight. Each of them are exhibiting two different types of faith. Hence, I call it a tale of two faiths. They're exhibiting two different types of faith. One we're going to call a crisis faith. In other words... The only time he has faith is when he's in a crisis. The other one we're going to call an ignorant faith. He just doesn't understand. He doesn't have spiritual eyes to see what the Lord is doing. Hence, it gets him in a world of hurt. And we're going to see that too. So, we've been dealing with 
basically all the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom. Last week we jumped to the southern kingdom, and guess what? We're going back to the northern kingdom, okay? So let's look at this. We're going to go back. Let's read verses 1 through 3 in 2 Kings 13. In the 23rd year of Joash, the son of Azahiah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned 17 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Haziel, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Haziel, all their days. So, it is no surprise when you look at the lay of the land that Jehoahaz followed in the footsteps of Jeroboam because his father was Jehu. And although Jehu was somewhat of a good king, we read that he followed in the steps of Jeroboam also. So the old adage, like father, like son, kind of fits. All right, He was just doing the things that daddy did. He was just following along with what dad did. It seemed to be okay for him. But Jehoahaz preferred worshiping golden calves rather than the true living God. And that's important. He decided that his worship would be towards these golden calves that were set up. Remember? They were set up in different areas. One was in Bethel. One was in Samaria. They had these two places where they could worship the golden calves. And Baal, well... Anytime you go after foreign God, every time you go after and start serving foreign gods, the anger of the Lord is aroused. The Lord takes a dim view of us worshiping other gods. And it's never a good thing. And when this happens, especially in Israel during this time, you can almost count on chastening following. He'll let them go for a while, but then he will eventually begin to chasten them Why? He wants them to come back to following him. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord, Scripture says. And when we're off doing wrong, hopefully our hearts are convicted and we might become chastened too because the Lord wants to draw us back in. He wants to draw us back in close to him. He wants us to come and be with him. So the Lord chastens those he loves. And if you're being chastened, know that the Lord loves you. (laughs) Know that the Lord loves you enough to chasten you and to bring you back to him. And even though they're worshiping idols in the northern kingdom, and even though they have forsaken the Lord God Jehovah, and I love this about him, he has not forsaken them. God has not forsaken Israel, the northern kingdom. He has not forsaken them, even though they have forsaken him. He has not forsaken them. Why? They're his chosen people. God has chosen them, and he made a covenant with them through Abraham that he would be their God, and he would bless them. There is chosen. He continues to love them even in the midst of their apostasy. He loves them. I I think that's great. So God's love continues to flow towards you. God loved you in the midst of your sin. While you were as yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for you. And God demonstrated that vast love that he has for you in the midst of your sin. He continues to love you. 
He continues to love you and wants nothing more than you to come back to him and serve him and love him and show that love to him. So the Lord's chasing now the northern kingdom. And what he does is, as he always does, he seems to take the kingdom or whoever is doing wrong and deliver them into the hands of their enemies. It was a way that he always did in the entire book that we're going to read. He always had a habit of delivering Israel or whomever is going wrong into the hand of their enemies. So he does that. He comes back and he gives them back to the Syrians, our old friend Haziel and Bet-Hadad. We've heard these names before. All the days of their lives. This should not surprise the people. This should not surprise the people of the northern kingdom. Remember, they had the oracles of God. They had the word of God. They knew the word of God. They knew the terms of the covenant that God had made with their fathers. They understood it. They knew it. Simply put, they didn't obey him. If they had, he would have given them victory over their enemies, but they did not obey him. They disobeyed him, and then he allows them to fall into the hands of their enemies. So this is not good for them. Many people believe that they can do whatever they want, and there will be no serious consequences for their sin. Well, he will allow you to get just so far away from him. He will allow you to be in your sin just so long. And just because something hasn't happened to you yet, do not take that for his approval. If you continue in that sin, consequences will come up. Consequences will happen. When you believe that there are no serious consequences for your sin, it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie directly from the pit. God either blesses or he chastens. Blesses or chastens. Cursing and blessings, you choose. What do you want? God is always true to his word. Always true to his word. What's interesting to me is that, remember, we're studying the king of a crisis faith. And what's interesting to me is when trouble comes, even the most wicked seem to call out to God. I find that very, very interesting. Let's read 4 a. So Jehoaz pleaded with the Lord. He pleads with the Lord. The king pleaded his case before the Lord. It's interesting to me that here he is at the end of his rope. He's got no place to go and he calls out to God. Well, isn't that just like me? I don't know if it's just like you, but it's just like me. You get the end of the rope and you call out to God. It's interesting because the word plead here means desperation. He's desperate. He needs God's help, and he recognizes that he needs God's help, and this is a good thing. This is a good thing. You notice who he calls to. He calls to the Lord. He says, he pleaded with the Lord. Well, he's got some smarts. Why didn't he go into the golden calves? Why didn't he go to the idols and plead with Baal to help him out? Guy's got some smarts. He knows. He knows what's going on. Why didn't he do that? No, he goes to the one true living God. So this is what I call a crisis faith. He believes in God, especially in time of crisis. I, we know people like that. We might even be like that. I don't know. But what I love about this, and what I love about any time you express some faith, even a crisis faith, God hears you. God hears your call, even in a crisis faith. Look at 4b. And the Lord listened to him. 
for he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Syria oppressed them. Now, you read this and go, wait a minute, God saw it. What do you mean? He just looked down and said, no, God knew it all along. Remember, it was God that allowed Syria to, to attack them. He was chastening him. But he saw this happening and said, okay, so he pleads to me. God got what he wanted. And God will do to you and allow things to happen to you until he gets what he wants in return, which is you to do what? Worship him. Serve him. Come to him. Confess to him. And that's what he does. And I love this. It's a beautiful thing. And if you can't see a picture of God's mercy here and God's love for his people, especially the people of Israel, well, then you need to read it a couple of times until you do. What a beautiful picture of God's mercy, giving Israel something they don't deserve. They forsook God. They were worshiping other idols. They were committing spiritual adultery. They were going after foreign gods. But because they're Israel, because they're God's chosen people, God answered his call. He listened to his call. That should give us great hope. That should give us great hope in the midst of our times when we might not be thinking of God, when we might be out doing something that we're not supposed to be doing. And we hear that quickening of our heart and God is calling us back to him because he loves you. And the word says he chose you before the foundations of the world. Anytime someone from Israel calls upon God, God is quick to answer, and he sends a deliverer. He sends a deliverer. Look at 5 and 6. Then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin, but walked in them, and the wooden image also remained in Samaria. This boggles my mind. It really does. The Lord sends in an unknown deliverer. We do not know who this deliverer is. Israel is set free from the hands of the Syrians, and then they go right back to their wicked ways. Right back. Does this remind you of anything that we've already studied in the Bible? The whole book of Judges. The entire book of Judges. Remember when we went through the entire book of Judges? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the people cried out, and the Lord sent a deliverer, sent a judge in. The whole entire book was nothing like this. It was a ping pong ball. Back and forth, back and forth. And here you see it right here. Here you see it. Once again, they're out of God's will. Once again, they're serving these images, these idols. It's directly against God's law. How merciful is he? How long-suffering is he? My gosh, you just have to look at the United States and say, God's pretty long-suffering. God's pretty long-suffering with us. It's amazing. It's amazing. So he answers the prayer. Look at 7 through 9. For he left of the army of Jehoaz 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers, for the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like dust at threshing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoaz are they all he did and his might? Are they not written in the book of Chronicles for the kings of Israel? So Jehoiaz rested with his fathers, and they buried him Samaria. Then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. And we have another Joash. Not the Joash we studied last week from Judah, but a different Joash. Though God answered their prayer and sent a deliverer, Israel continued in their false worship of a different God. 
The kingdom's at peace. They were free of oppression, but they never returned to serving the Lord. How, how heartbreaking is that? How heartbreaking is that? I have seen people get saved, be free, set free, and return to their vomit. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see them have to go through that. It's heartbreaking. Even after the Lord had did mighty works in their lives and showed them mighty things. So what is a crisis faith? A crisis faith is not a deep faith. It's not a lasting faith. Once the problem is solved and taken away, people's faith to wane. The crisis faith wanes and we return to our old ways. It's not a permanent strong faith. God promised the children of Israel that if they would trust him and obey his word, all their enemies would flee before him. Go back and read all through the history of the nation. If they would serve him, trust him, and believe in him and obey him, they would have no enemies. There would be nothing who could be able to stand against them. But they didn't. Christ's faith is undependable. How many promises have we made to God when we're in trouble? We make a promise to God, and then we seem to forget the promise when it's over. I always talk, I love the movie The End with Burt Red. It's a really dark movie. Anyhow, he has terminal cancer, and he tries the entire movie to kill himself, and Dom DeLuise, of all people, is his psychiatrist. Think that, go find that out, right? And he ends up, he decides he's going to kill himself, and he jumps into the ocean, and he swims out as far as he can go, wanting to kill himself. And he gets way, way out, and you can see land. And all of a sudden, he goes, Lord, Lord, I want to live. I want to live. And he starts swimming back. And he says, Lord, I'll give you 100% of all my earnings, 100%. And he gets closer to the shore. Lord, I'll give you 75% of my earnings, oh, 75%. He gets closer. Lord, I'll give you 50. I'll give you 50. Well, you get the drift. That's what we do. We're in a crisis, and we're praying to God, oh, Lord, Lord, get me out of this, and I'll, I'll go to church every single Sunday. I'll be there every Monday. I'll be there every Wednesday. I'll, I'll be in everything. The Lord gets you out of it, and you, well, all of a sudden, you're there for one or two weeks. Uh, I'm going to go tonight. Come on. And you start waning. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot. We make these huge promises to the Lord. Lord, help me with this instance, and I'll do this got to be careful with your vows to the Lord. You make a vow to the Lord, he expects you to keep it. He expects you to do your part. Well, Israel didn't. That's what Christ's faith does. Christ's faith cries out to the Lord. Now, you're in trouble, you should be crying to the Lord, first and foremost. You get in a hot spot, cry out to the Lord. We should be crying. We're his sons and daughters. We should be crying out to Abba, Father, help me. Greatest prayer in the entire world. Lord, help me. He'll hear that prayer and he'll help you out. But when you start making promises, be careful. Be careful with the promises you make because you're going to be expected to keep those things. Never discourage you from anyone crying out to the Lord in trouble. You've heard of there are no atheists in foxholes. But depending upon a crisis, faith is dangerous. It is very, very dangerous. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. 
Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my, of my rebuke, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me and I won't answer. They will seek me diligently, but they won't find me because they hated my knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Now, that's kind of harsh. But our God loves us. And he pours his grace out upon us. And his grace is sufficient. So when we call upon the Lord, we need to call upon him in faith, true faith, lasting faith, believing that he can, believing that he will. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. And we need to rely on that. But we need to have a deep faith. But what I want to point out is he takes even the weakest faith and he answers it. He sees the weak faith and he'll answer it. But be careful with your promises. Be careful with your promises. So as we get to verse 10 now, there's a new king in town. There's a new king in the northern kingdom of Israel. Let's read verses 10 through 13. In the 37th year of Joash, the king of Judah. Now remember, there's a Joash in Judah. Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, became king over Israel and Samaria, and he reigned 16 years. And did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel sin, but walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Joash are all he did, and his might, which he fought against the Amaziah, the king of Judah, are they not written for the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Joash rested with his fathers, then Jeroboam sat on his throne, and Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. And so don't have a lot to say about this Joash in a minute. We'll get to him. First of all, Joash, just like Jehoiahaz, just like all the kings before him, are following the wrong example. You know, you can be an example to somebody. Either you're a good example or you're a bad example. You can be an example to somebody. It's my prayer that we would follow good examples. Good examples. And we see these things all over the place. You have people who are in sports who say, I'm not a role model. Yes, you are. If you're on TV and you're doing so, you're a role model. And people are going to emulate what you do. We need to, we're Christians. We've been saved by the grace of God. We've been saved through faith. And we're, we need to be role models for people, showing them what is right. But he's following after what is wrong. He's not following after the right example, just like his father. He followed the, the sins of Jeroboam, which means he worshiped idols. He too turned to the Lord only in times of trouble and when time was running out. So they don't say a lot about him. And this is what happens in the rest of the book of Kings. We have little snippets of this king did this and this king did that. So as we come to verse 14, it's time to us to say goodbye to a dear friend. Time to us to say goodbye to a true man of God. A man who did more miracles than his predecessor. A man who was highly regarded by God. A prophet of the Most High God. One who was hated by the kings of Israel because he always would come up and say things against them. But they loved him too. See, it was a double-edged sword. They knew he was true, and they knew they could count on him, but they didn't like what he said. You are a sure.
This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. As you notice in the course of history, an entire nation can be led astray by following after other gods. But the leader of the nation is the one who sets the example. In so many cases in 2 Kings, the one who was in charge was himself acting wickedly or was swayed by the people who were doing evil practices. Unfortunately, you see the downfall and destruction of a nation when it chooses to stray from following after God. What does that mean for today? What are the patterns and practices being set into place in this nation? When you refer to history, it doesn't look promising. But that doesn't mean that you have to give in to societal pressures and practices. Your example of standing up against the norms could affect others around you. You never know who's observing and how they might change their own perspective based on your example. If you have any questions about what you heard today, you can reach us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We encourage you to keep looking to Scripture for answers about all of life's questions. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. If you want to hear this message again or others like it, you'll be able to find them on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to join us again next time to learn more valuable lessons in 2 Kings right here on Assure Hope.